0: We're back! We're back! It's a distraction. I'm Drew, that's Roth. How you doing, Roth? I'm good, man. What's happening? I'm go- I'm coming to see you. I'm coming to your city. Wait, to my house? Don't come. Not- I it's not.
1: <laughs> Literally your house.
0: I'm barging really, into your it's house. It's messed
1: up. There's, there's a lot of uh, there's baseball cards everywhere.
0: It's just the right time. I have gingivitis and COVID together. I'm just going to breathe all over it. <laughs> it's going to be awesome. It's going to be so cool. Let's get right to it. Our guest this week, it's Pablo Torre of ESPN. Hi, Pablo. Oh, Hello. I've heard of him. Hello. Uh,
1: the gingivitis cartoon I've been sold in commercials does seem to sort of embody the aura that you is giving off right now so it's an honor yeah. to be here he's a he comes you can't really see it because you can't see anything on the podcast incredibly gummy my mm-hmm.
0: daughter uh my daughter told us that she hadn't flossed in a couple of months like at the table the other day and i said to her verbatim i said you don't have to floss all your teeth girl just the ones you want to keep <laughs> because, oh my God. because that's what the dentist office sign said When I was a kid, and of course, and also it had like photographs of like severe gingivitis victims with like gums that looked like lava and shit like that. Yeah, real (laughs) faces
1: of death, sort of aesthetics. A a thousand percent.
0: They're like, if you don't take care of your teeth, you will. Your mouth will die.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Do they do they still do that at dentist offices? I feel like it'd just be like a TikTok star being like using mouthwash. is YOLO now. Like it's just not going to be. They
0: they should have more scared straight programs at dentist office. No, like, yeah. now, like, they have, like, medical diagrams of the tooth and the root, and you're like, that's fascinating, and then, like, like little, like, like, drawings of construction paper from, like, kindergartners, like, thanks for keeping my teeth clean, Miss Nancy, and shit like that, so it's, like, it's got a little bit more uplift to it, but, you know, it's still a dentist office. Those are false flag
1: drawings. I believe you can buy those at some backroom online distributor. All dentists just buy the same. Badly drawn teeth from fake children. Yep, <laughs> <laughs> that's
0: totally true. Uh, the NBA conference finals are underway. But first of mm. all, I'll look back quickly at the semis uh, with Pablo. Uh, starting off with the Phoenix Suns, Pablo Torre. What the fuck happened to this team? <laughs> I feel like they
1: gave us an opportunity to be the worst version of our cliche spewing selves because when you want to yell at a team and you want to talk about how they have been humiliated and how they don't have what it takes and how there is something wrong with them in all of the ways that will condemn them to like the worst lowest casts of NBA toughness in that in that system. um, Yeah, you can do it now because that was the most humiliating elimination game I've ever seen. Yeah! Yeah.
0: I don't think I've seen anything worse. Roth, can you think of anything?
1: No. Uh, I mean, I've seen—there's been moments that have been, like, as low. The idea of a team just coming out and not, like, participating in basketball activities for three quarters of the game. I watched a little bit of the fourth quarter, and it was like—that was the quarter where Chris Paul scored points— And it was such a bizarre thing, because if you hadn't been watching any of the game, it's like him making his dorky little jump shots, and you're like, "How nice. Look look at that. CP3. And then, like, you look up, and it's like, to cut the lead to 42. (laughs) Then it's back up to 45. Then he cuts it to 43. And it was, like, there was an element. I mean, I've watched enough, enough bad basketball games in my life. Like, I know the sort of, like, annihilation shimmer in which a sufficiently devastating blowout happens. Like, it's not something that's not an energy that can be brought to a game 7, I would have guessed. Yeah. And yet this was this was absolutely like the 92-93 New Jersey Nets losing to the Pacers in a game where like Dwayne Shinsis gets a lot of touches. <laughs> like, awful. <laughs> it's weird for an entire team to turn into Dwayne Shwin- Shins- Shinsis. Yes. Apologies no. to the Dwayne Shinsis estate if I'm even yeah. pronouncing his name correctly. I can see it in my mind's eye, but reading it feels like I'm now playing like Dwayne no, Shinsons. it's hard. There's a couple of extra eyes in there. It's not, you did your best, as did he. You know, you just gotta keep <laughs> going through <laughs> keep also, going through that drop step and hope it right. works at some point. That's
0: I do right. want to talk about Chris Paul in a second, but they also, uh, after the loss, the team not only apologized, but they sort of alluded to or at least Monty Williams alluded to some sort of internal beef with DeAndre Ayton and Pablo, since you're at ESPN, do you have any inside tea on what the fuck's going on there? Or is it that My natural fan inclination is to intuit, like soap opera, like discord with a team that just, just fucked up in sort of in otherwise boring ways.
1: Yeah, I have tea about tea. I have tea that suggests that lots of other tea that I'm not privy to is being spilled, and so I am degrees away from. Uh yeah, uh stochastic tea, I believe, is something yes. like <laughs> what describes what's going on with DeAndre Aiden. Like I'm pretty sure it's because of this thing. I can't trace it specifically. But it is it is internal in the way that, yeah, going back to like locker room cliche, like DeAndre Aiden allegedly, like, didn't want to go back in the game. That's the tea, that maybe he was frustrated with the Suns not giving him the max contract the offseason before, and now having him possibly put his body, as broken as it is, into a game in which he felt like he was not getting the ball enough, and that's if you pay attention to various lip readers, which I unfortunately do. And so, yeah, man, it feels like it is a thing that is very, very messy. Monty Williams sounded like the parent you don't want to disappoint. And... Internal, in this case, meant, yeah, not, like, the beef that he ate was currently giving him indigestion internally, but the beef the doo-doo that he had so externally was now just poisoning the entirety of the locker room. Yeah. Well, it's it's really, the, oh, sorry, go ahead, Roth. I was just going to say that, like, so I think Aiton is fantastic. I really enjoy I me. Mean, just was, like, two weeks ago, we had Patrick Redford on talking about how good he is at yes. doing the things that a contemporary big man needs to do, like, just yes. in terms of, like, knowing where to stand always been in the right sort of position on defense, not demanding the ball too much. That was like, I really do feel like that was true. That like the Suns, Drew had been very skeptical of them. And everybody that was like watching a lot of NBA games was like, Drew, no, they're really good. They're the best team in the NBA. Like that doesn't mean they're going to win the
0: championship. To be fair to me, I had not watched them all season. But But, but that's, that's, I mean, honestly,
1: Drew, that's part of the big conclusion you can draw from the playoffs. Also, like when you ask what happened here, turns out you don't need to watch the regular season.
0: Yeah. That's right. I'm the fresh eyes you people
1: needed yeah. on these games. Drew was right, too, because he kept being like, they're the sons, guys. Like, everybody calm down. Like, you know what they're going to do. And we are like, actually, if you look at, Cameron Payne's giving them very valuable minutes. He's really spelled CP3 for long stretches at a time. And, like, it turns out that Drew, who was just, like, completely just <laughs> high in his dad chair listening to <laughs> Rat
0: all through the regular season, totally right. So no. hats off to you, man. Dude. Well, it's in- what's interesting is that, like, you know, this son this collection of sons did not really become prominent until last season. Like they had that big run in the bubble that was like, Oh, maybe they have promise, but it was a new season in twenty uh twenty twenty one. And then they, they beat the shit out of everybody that uh that, that regular season before fading in the playoffs. And they did it all over again, and it felt to me as if there is only so much Robert Sarver that this organization can overcome before it's going to rear its head, like at the worst possible time.
1: Yeah. Yeah. It feels like, I mean, man, being a Phoenix suns fan sucks. I got to say like your owners, Robert Sarver, there are dozens upon dozens of people alleging like various horrifying instances of sexual misconduct, et cetera. And then you get your corpse defiled by Luka Doncic. Yeah. yeah! Like that dude, <laughs> watching the fourth quarter, I mean he was sitting by the fourth quarter most of it, but like into the third quarter when he has more points than the entirety of the Suns, which happened because he hit a three and they only had 27 points and it's yeah. absurd and and he just Goes like just full on. I'm a sociopath laughing at my crimes as I commit them. Yeah. And it's like, oh, this sucks for you. Giggler mode was really, uh, it was like kind of unsettling, but also amazing. Like he was so clearly not scared of anything that was going to happen to him. (laughs) Yeah. He was so mean. There's that picture of him, uh, like while they were waiting for a foul shot of him, like lined up next to Devin Booker. And he's literally making the like the troll face that like was popular online a few years ago, but he's like looking up. From the periphery of Devin Booker's field of vision, it was he was tormenting them in the way that like people like IG influencers know how to get their optimal angles by raising the cell phone or whatever. Yeah, yes. Luca was like leaning in and giving just the right amount of cheekbone angle, yeah. and I was just like, "Oh, you you're you're
0: you're so good <laughs> at this. You're giving highly effective sociopaths right <laughs> now." Uh, let me go to the other side of that. What is Pablo? What is the rest of the league's beef with Chris Paul? Because like Patrick Beverly. Went through the ESPN car wash just the other day, just to just to spit on Chris Paul and his performance, just just to defile the corpse a little bit more. Why yes. do other players, and not just Beverly, hate this man so much? Why do they revel in his failure? That's yeah. my job. Yeah, I know he's he's Chris Paul. I mean,
1: <laughs> Chris Paul is super bossy. That's like the kind of word that maybe we can all relate to in our own offices. He's like the guy who always wants to make the decision on every decision. And so he's the president of the Players Union, he's the guy, when you're on a team with him, he is directing you where to go. He, and by the way, for reasons that are valid, because Chris Paul, in theory, and in practice, except for when practice becomes like a real high-stakes recital in which, again, your corpse is being defiled, he does know <laughs> best. He seems to know best, but the Patrick Beverly thing to me was amazing because it's another symptom of an unfortunate reality for people who do my job and our job, which is like, oh, the players have realized how fun all of this is. Yeah, Ah. like All of these guys realize you can get – you can – wait, hold on. This thing that I do, we had been ceding to all of you know-nothing nerds. You've been having fun yelling about this, and now I – I mean, why – and so, yes, here come, um, my theory on all of this is that like <laughs> like, Chris, there's a non-zero chance now that Chris Paul has been officially trolled into starting his own podcast. like you <laughs> you need to respond. one of the most devastating owns imaginable <laughs> <laughs> Like Chris Paul just despondently buying a Yeti mic, being like, "It's come to this."
0: Someone in our on our staff said that his style of play reminded them too much of like old timey footage of Bob Cousy, and I was like, "Oh God, that's right." I don't, I don't actually enjoy watching Chris Paul play aesthetically, and somehow I have transmuted that into like an incredible like indictment of his personal character. Even though the, the worst thing he does is star in too many ads, well,
1: and and and, and 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 commit testicular terrorism
0: in the Yo-oh. defense
1: of all the other people. Who yeah, that's mm. the thing with him, is that he's been around long enough that I feel like the reputation of being a dirty player, which he had, it, certainly in college, and the thing you're talking about, is him just att- attempting to kill Julius Hodges' balls. Yeah. That's right. Attempt, attempting to like, kill is, Julius Hodges' future Julius Hodges. Yeah, yeah. right. <laughs> just being like your bloodline ends today. In a Wake Forest NC State game on a Tuesday night or whatever. That's but sure, once like, you
0: once you aim for a dude's giblets, that rep sticks. If like,
1: yeah. you're Draymond but that was or Chris Paul, like half Chris Paul's life ago, you know, like <laughs> everything he's done since then. I guess it's like, yeah, it's not that he's dirty. It's just that people seem to think he's annoying. Yeah, I think I like. I mean, look, he's 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 done it a couple times since, but I and that's the generous defense, I guess, as, as his defense attorney, he's only done it a handful of times. Yeah. Guys, come on, <laughs> come on. But but you're right that there is other. His persona is so big that I do think it is easy to forget all of the reasons why he is so hated. Um, But there is sort of a beautiful cornucopia of just pettiness and also, yeah, like, how the fuck are you going around just hitting people in the giblets? Yeah. I think the one thing that to complicate your point, which I think is very correct about the idea that, like, if players get as good at um, having opinions and being annoying about them on TV as nerds, then, like, the game has changed. I think Patrick Beverly is a unique specimen in the sense that i think he really doesn't mind getting up at five in the morning to shit on a guy that he doesn't like all day long that that's like he's (laughs) he's played basketball like that that's his mentality i think there's a lot of other players that maybe want it less like uh, apparently like pat bev is on espn now doing it to Luka Doncic. like he's just like he stayed over in hartford and like got an uber in the morning showed up like banging on the door like Eric Andre until they uh,
0: let him in, so he could yell about at other people. The, the man knows that he can take Pablo's job now. He's uh, he's gunning for it. Pablo.
1: There's a non-zero chance that I go back to the other window that I've closed on my on my laptop, and Patrick Beverly is in that Zoom chat recording my <laughs> podcast. <laughs> Like it's, it's it, he has he has and I <laughs> he does have podcast Mamba mentality Roth I, I think yep. that's absolutely fair to say he's a special he's a special specimen when it comes to his devotion to being as <laughs> uh, gas baggy as everybody he's been watching. Yeah, and there's others that are you know maybe have that too. Like I feel like if Jimmy Butler wants that, like he's That's got no. Everybody realized. I mean, this is the this is sort of the poetic irony, right? This is the great revenge of Charles Barkley is that everybody made fun of Charles Barkley, obviously never winning a ring, being this TV gas bag who is sort of like working through his own traumas by projecting them onto everybody else, and now everybody just wants to be him, and they yeah. should. It's way right. more fun. It's way more fun to be Barkley.
0: Yeah, because he gets paid. He doesn't. Like, he openly says, like, oh, I didn't watch this game. Like It's yes! like, oh, my God, that's fucking great. Wait, is it, nobody is fact-checking
1: Patrick Beverly. Like, no one, I mean, yep. that's, it, it, and the people who are are misplaying the game, It right? only like, makes him more powerful. Yes! The idea, like, citing, like, P-E-R to Patrick Beverly, like, he's like, just no. gonna absorb
0: that and be like, oh, <laughs> like, grow to three times his size. Yeah, it would be, it would be poor television if Patrick Beverly was, like, factually accurate. Like, that's yep. not good television. Correct. It's not the gig. Correct. Uh, uh, let's move on to the Sixers. This will be the last time we discuss oh, Sixers the Sixers. I was really yeah, hoping this would great. not come up, but yeah, no, let's do it. No, 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 no. You don't get away that easy. Roth and I, we've made a lot of jokes about Sam Hinkie fanboys over the years, but yep. now, Pablo, we have an actual Sam Hinky fanboy mm. on the show with us. Are you still willing to defend that man's legacy, and why, Pablo? I am, first off, to clarify, I
1: am the prom king of Sam Hinky fanboys. I am you not are. merely a fanboy. I am somebody who has a hallowed and elevated position atop all of the nerds that I have been making fun of to distract from the fact that I am exactly the person that you've described. <laughs> <laughs> so look, man, is eh, this is what I will say about Sam Hinkey and the process, which is simply that I believe it was a good idea. I don't think the ethics of it are a thing that I will, I, I don't, the ethics of it, Of course, right? The idea that there are rules that should be changed to prevent it. Of course. The idea that you should not allow tanking in your sport. Do anything you can. Abolish the draft. Change the incentives. All of that, I will fully co-sign. But the idea that this did not make sense, that is the hill that I will unfortunately be shedding blood on for probably the rest of my life. I just believe it worked. I believe it was a good idea. I believe that it was aborted by the NBA, if I can now... Put on my tinfoil hat. It's not Ooh, actually yeah, it. Foil.
0: Go. He was go too dangerous.
1: I I I firmly believe <laughs> that he was too dangerous for Adam Silver to let live. Ooh, so too when punk. did you think it was gonna stop? This is always the thing for me with rebuilds. That, like you can look at whether it like makes sense in a long term sort of you know way. Like if you look at like what the Pirates or the Orioles are doing in baseball, like I get it. But like at some point you have to try. And I wasn't convinced that Hinky was ever going to pull that lever. So my, my I, I, fair, right? Fair point. Because a lot of rebuilds, and this is the criticism that I understand, a lot of rebuilds are also just euphemisms for people being terrible at their jobs. Yeah, or just like being cheap and like or, saving or, on payroll and you're like, yeah. no, but it's for later. Right. <laughs> so I believe, and and having reported on this, I firmly believe that there was a plan And so the plan was complicated by the injuries of Joel Embiid. The plan is complicated by the fact that he loses his job midway through his third season. He resigns in April. But remember right before then, and this is the other part of the uh, story that I delight in because it's just that much more dysfunctional. They bring in the Colangelos, you know, right? right. Like, Like Jerry gets brought in and then Brian gets brought in. And then anyway, you know how that story goes, burner accounts and all of that. But the point yep. is that I believe the next season would have been the one. And maybe that sounds like delusional. There's always next year, but the opposite, I guess, in some sense, because I'm just talking about teams that are losing. And so they're going to lose less than they did next year than they did this year. But yeah, man, I think year, year, uh, let's see, that would have been year three. I think what Sam Presti is doing in Oklahoma City, right? And he's about to enter year three of his own kind of thing where he's a million picks and so forth and so on. And he's getting none of the blowback, the b- blowback, excuse me, because I am blow not. Blowback. Blowback. <laughs> blowback. <laughs> We're leaving it. Please leave Both that finger. in. Please yeah. leave that in. We leave it It all, is man. a blowback mark on my podcast. <laughs> um, but the point is, because it's not written about perhaps by people like me, it doesn't get made fun of but I believe that that is the best parallel. There is a plan. It is taking way longer than a good rule system should enable, but I think they're acting logically.
0: I, I, well, there's two things. One, I, I, I don't really see much evidence that that team is going to be good anytime soon. Two, I don't think that these ideas are particularly all that novel. Like the idea that instead of tanking for one season to get a good pick, let's tank for like two or three. Like, I could have thought of that. Like, yeah. uh, any shithead could have thought of that, Bob. So, so, so What's of, original about it?
1: So, so part of it is that at the time it was happening, this was this horrifying science experiment that many people did not understand. Now we kind of have the beautiful, cold light of day to evaluate it in. But I remember the deputy commissioner of the NBA, Russ Granick, saying on the record, I don't know what they're doing. Genie Buss was talking about how this is a disgrace, this is like a, this flesh-eating bacteria upon the league, it doesn't make any sense, this is suicidal, and it was suicidal in one sense, but not in the sense that they were projecting onto it. And this is what I will say about the whole, like, all they did was lose. They didn't just do that, like, and this is where it, it becomes, like, incumbent on me, nerd, to defend nerd GM who did more transactions than any. Other GM in the span of time, he was GM. He was yeah, doing nerd. every little, no, and he wasn't. This is nerdy to do all of these little penny stock trades, right? To realize that when you strip the salary cap down to nothing, where you are paying, yes, the least possible to your players because you've stocked your team with all of these guys who would not otherwise be on NBA teams, you can then absorb salaries from other teams you can basically be a garbage disposal unit for bad contracts meaning you can charge those teams for the fee of like taking out their bad couch from their house and I'm gonna get a second round pick I'm gonna get an asset as they always call them in ways that again are problematic morally understand but the point is there are moves around the margins that open up when you fully commit and I think the full method tanking like, that true commitment to the bit, like, that is where people got scared, and he made the mistake of going so far in without ever winning the public perception on it. And Maybe that was impossible, but it became something that the NBA could not tolerate. I also just thought he wasn't as good at talent evaluation as he maybe would have needed to have been to do that. Like, I think you, it's trusting yourself. Obviously, you're betting on your ability to, like, scout churn the roster and like yeah you turn up a robert covington who's like a real nba player that you get off the curb is you she? know with
0: a like please take sign tape i to love it. Like, robert that's, covington and that's good. oh <laughs> like, that that definitely makes you a hinky fanboy.
1: and yet like i don't i mean you can correct me if i was wrong about this like i don't think that there were a great number of other even nba role players generated through that process oh, and like, uh, this is this is this, david roth
0: Uh I'm going to break down the roster. You're done
1: fucked up now. It's KJ McDaniel's chat. Are we going (laughs) to remember some process guys? Is that what we're about to to. do? Yeah,
0: yeah, let's do that. Are we
1: really going to remember TJ McConnell? TJ, I need to bring up fucking TJ. I mean, he's still playing in the NBA, which is fine. Are we really going to remember Jeremy Grant right now? Oh well, Wait, Jeremy dude, Grant was a proper
0: draft pick, though. Jeremy, we I mean, we, have, Piston, we have Pistons fans in our in our on our staff, so I hear the name Jeremy Grant like daily now. Yeah, yeah,
1: but he was a he was a he was a second rounder, right? So I guess okay. the idea is people who Sam Hinkie evaluated and found, right? So, man, hold on. All right, let me let me let me do this. Let me You're do to get baby. it all together. Yeah, because now. now
0: now I just I for, for the public's getting the receipts.
1: <laughs> this is so sad. How am I
0: doing this? How well, I while you're looking this? that up, can you explain to me what I, I would mean. have been different in that year where you said, okay, if Hinkie had stayed around the next year, that would have been the year. What would have been different? Are you saying they would have drafted Jason Tatum instead of Markel Fultz? Honestly, what
1: would have the great what if, right, is that if Sam Hinkie were to make that pick, would he have taken Markel Fultz or would he have taken Jason Tatum? And my semi-informed education and this is the easy one to make, so I will anticipate all the criticisms, is that, of course, you say Jason Tatum now, but I believe they would have taken Jason Tatum. I do. Mm. I really do. Well, that would have changed everything, wouldn't it? The it would have, David yeah. Roth! It would have. Bringing in the Colangelo's definitely has that... I mean, this was it sort of a similar thing happened to the Mets when they got too embarrassing, when they were, like, compromised by the uh, Madoff pyramid scheme, <laughs> in which they somehow didn't even lose any money, but became, like, radioactive... And that was like Sandy Alderson would be like the whatever, like Brian Colangelo, or not Brian Colangelo, but Jerry Colangelo of baseball, where it's like just some sort of like a guy who is objectively in eminence, but also like quite probably mediocre to bad at the job that they do and you just sort of bring them in and you're like here's a here's an older white man for you to look at while we figure out no oh it's amazing it's amazing who gets brought in to clean that up all right so by the way a little bit of a little bit of cleanup in all of these names you got to be such a sicko to even have any of this resonate with you when i throw out not just tj mcconnell but not just kj mcdaniels and not just robert covington not just jeremy grant but christian wood Anyone? Hey, Christian Wood, ten-day contract, oh, January plan, 2016. I mean, how you, long did they keep him for? I mean, Jesus Christ, it was not. It was not a very long time because he All got right. signed and traded later. But so much potential. But I mean, the point is, he's finding. He's finding. He's a real NBA, NBA player. Rashawn Holmes, David Roth, that ring a bell? Yeah, oh. Starting. Uh, he starts for the Kings. That's You're damn right. He does. Start for the Kings. <laughs> damn right he does. The potential of Nerland's Noel. Come on, and this is where this—you uh, may now say yeah. this is where the list sort of takes a little bit of a dive. <laughs> the potential of Nerland's Noel is probably the worst-selling novel of uh, the year 2012. I, l- I, l- I love Nerland's I, mean, Noel. I mean, I love Nerland's too, but that's not. Um, yeah. Anyway, we can keep going. <laughs> this is sad. Want. No, the point is that there is a f- there is a well-stocked bench of some guys that I think are actually better. But yeah, I mean, this is this is officially pathetic. I
0: have, of the teams so. left in the field, Pablo, who are you hoping? Wins the title, and why is it not Boston? Ooh, ooh! I mean,
1: <sighs> I think it's really funny if Boston loses to Luka Doncic in the finals, and they have to work oh, through all yeah. of their feelings of like, Dare Wait to minute, dream, yeah. Wait Dare to a dream, Pablo. Wait a minute, what is the, what is the multiversal dimension in which he could have been ours? It's already it's already really sad that they don't have Pat Connaughton. And now they might need to go and reckon with a world in which Luka Doncic could be theirs. Yeah, yeah. I would go for the Mavs winning the finals over the Celtics just for that reason, actually. It would be a, like, schismatic moment for a certain, like, tranche of sports fans. Like, it would be, like, I feel like that would, like, Bill Simmons sitting in the dark listening to Jordan Peterson podcasts Uh for, like, days on end (laughs) would be challenging. The, Cel- the thing with the Celtics, and this was, you know, they they lost last night without two of their better players. Yeah, they're extremely good. They, and They're so watching them. them. They're so good. It's just really hard because like, I know Drew is like not going to to break edge on this. Like you're just gonna ride this one out to the end, hating I, them until the last moment. You know what? But, no,
0: I I'm rooting against them. And Tom Lay like pointed out last night that I was just being annoying and obnoxious about it, like. In the chat room, so I was well, like, "Obnoxious, yes. Annoying is really relative." Yeah, I think that, well, like, it gets your it job. Gets, yeah, that is my job, but it it does get old. And there was a point during the Bucks series where I was like, "This is the best team in the East, and and probably the best team in the NBA." And I didn't like admitting that, but it, it was seemed to me it was fairly obvious. They just they they play so well together, and I have to admire it. And if it were literally any other team, by God, I I think I might even like them, but I. Don't, Pablo. Yep. You're right to not ever like the Celtics, man. Are you are you enjoying Luca going full heel mode, Pablo? Or does he does he kind of sicken you a little?
1: No, I love it, man. I love how I love his kinks. I love how perverse <laughs> Luka Doncic is. He is he is kind of moving into there are some and again we can get into the sort of um <laughs> We can get into the sort of, like, sociological reasons why these guys can get away with it. But there is an arrogance to Steph Curry, right, that he's always gotten away with that should be infuriating, right? How is he not considered one of the most arrogant players, athletes, in all professional sports? He gets away with it. Lucas he
0: backs it up. He, he performs,
1: right? And and he is sort of like the delusional uh, vision that you have for yourself and your kids. Like, ah, oh, we can we too can be Steph Curry, greatest yeah. shooter of all time, son of all star shooter, brother mm-hmm. of NBA sniper. <laughs> we have the same hard scrabble, bootstraps origin story as yeah. that guy. <laughs> Nobody that's like. Six three, born rich and handsome, and naturally gifted, has gotten away with like more of a like. Everyone doubted me from the jump. Like- <laughs> no, and greatest like neuromuscular system of all time. Can like pick up any sport. Is great at golf. Great at everything. Like an
0: NCAA tournament hero to boot. Like yep. he was fucking amazing. He's yeah, only three tournament. inches taller than me. He's basically
1: me. <laughs> <laughs> no, he is. He is into thinking he is a David, and that we are also the same kind and yep. and Luka Doncic is about to do all of that. And again, like he gets away with it for reasons that, you know, um I think there are valid theories as to who gets to look like somebody who is not threatening your uh sports religious paradigms and is instead fueling your underdog sort of delusions, but Luka absolutely is somebody that we should hate that I am going
0: to love. I admit you know, it. I fucking love that guy. It's all fun and games until he comes out as an anti-vaxxer. And then it's like, oh, shit. I don't oh, feel like Luca has opinions I, at this point. I'm just like, saying, I think he's and, just a basketball game. I'm just saying you have to be prepared for that with anybody to suddenly go from like sort of lovable and interesting to being like, I'm in the cancer culture, culture <laughs> casket, and yeah. I'm never getting out. <laughs> and it's so terrible. It, it, and it's it, very it, unfair, very unfair, everybody treating me this way.
1: Yeah, this is how I felt when I saw that the Bing Bong guy was now selling NFTs. And I was oh, like, oh, funny. no. Oh, no. Everything. Nothing, nothing pure. Nothing gold can stay.
0: Yeah, no, definitely that is not.
1: A, what, uh, so uh, what kind of NFTs are we talking about? Yeah. Oh, yeah I, I yeah, think what kind? I, 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 I am. Are you guys in? Yeah. Like, how's your are we going to the we? Are we forming a collective and investing in a Bing Bong NFT? <laughs> Buddy, oh. I think we're in the community.
0: <laughs> yeah, I'm ready. I'm ready to slurp <laughs> all some our, All our yeah, avatars yes.
1: changed to Bing Bong guy. <laughs> Drew, did you just like mutter something about slurp juice right here on the podcast? Oh, yeah. Yeah. yeah, I, I to apologize slurp, for stepping I to over. The slurp some bong. Juice. It's
0: it's <laughs> it's very, it's very it's it's a very ethereal language, and you know, not only casuals won't really get. Yeah, a lot those of y'all terms, still don't
1: get but, it. You know. mm. uh let's
0: take a break. We'll come right back with Pablo Tori. And we're back with Pablo Tori of ESPN. Uh, did I mention of- Nerland's Noel already? Did I get the oh, yeah, okay. yeah, you okay, did. Good. All right. Yeah, All he's right.
1: come up. Okay. But
0: did you mention him <laughs> enough? Is really
1: Arguably not. Arguably not. I don't think I've done my duty, but I also want to leave that behind because I do believe it's genuinely embarrassing for me to continue to talk about. You so, can't yeah. talk about the NBA playoffs without a full consideration <laughs> of TJ McConnell's career
0: achievements. Rashawn Holmes, never forget. We were talking about the danger of Luka Doncic potentially being someone who, who ends up canceling himself. Speaking of mm. which, Phil Mickelson. Uh, the PGA Championship <laughs> is this weekend Phil Mickelson will not be playing because he was like, hey, the Saudis, why not kill a journalist? And people were like, you really can't say that. And so he has gone into hiding. And he is not, he is not, he didn't play in the Masters, which is his favorite tournament. And he's not defending his PGA title this weekend. Pablo Torre, in the spirit of televised take is Phil Mickelson a coward for not participating in these tournaments? Guys, I just want to be very clear about what I'm
1: saying here. Um, Phil, meanwhile, until this Saudi thing has been largely scandal-free. But did he kill anybody? What he said was stupid, and he regrets it, dumb mistake. But did he roofies? Oh, I'm sorry, that's Rick Riley's
0: a twit long yeah! <laughs> Sorry. You had me! You had I was, me! I was, I, was, I was like confused. I was like, oh my god, Pablo's saying this like, on oh, Why
1: do I feel like
0: he's about to just like add a tooth metaphor to this story for <laughs> no
1: reason? Yeah, uh, I mean, it's it's amazing. It's amazing once, yeah, Phil Nicholson does all of that. Like, who is like, you know what? There's a lane for me. To defend how nice he was to me, which then justifies the fact that he seems to have a full awareness of all of the reasons why what he said was like truly just like atop the mountain on the Mount Rushmore of indefensible statements. I do believe Phil Mickelson acknowledging Jamal Khashoggi killing gay people, sports washing, literally all of it. He knows even the terms and still being like, but you know what? We need to change the PG. Yeah, we're on the yeah. Cincinnati. That's yeah. the part of it that I thought was so incredible. It's such a like athlete-brained thing to be like, look, you know, like obviously I haven't hacked up any dissident journalists myself, but I've made mistakes. Like you know, so you just got to move on. You got you got to grow from that. No, and but I, that, I believe that that's what uh, Mohammed bin Salman has done.
0: But that was actually know? more Greg Norman. The Mickelson thing was yeah. like when I think you know, like all that stuff aside. I can't help but think about what this league will do for the game of golf. Like he was like, but people, think about the branding that we have, that we can yep. do. to. Think and- about
1: the <laughs> NFTs, literally. Think about the NFTs. His, his argument was that they're not using like crypto and they're not monetizing, you know, the likenesses of all of these players in 21st century ways. It's it, none of it holds up. Let's put
0: it that way. None of it holds up in every sense. No, of course not. Because it's yeah. like when you're like, You know, when anybody's like, "Look, we're not getting, we're not getting it, we're not doing enough to have golf reach all the young hip people," like you already know what kind of task that is. It's a futile one. It's never gonna happen. It's fucking golf. Give me a fucking break, man. You age into golf, not the other way
1: around. What happened to the guy that Rick Riley saw petting a baby
0: leopard on safari? Where did that guy go? (laughs) It was (laughs) like Rick Riley went the full Hank Kingsley on that and was like, "He's just always been nice to me." (laughs) And it was like, it was, it was pure uncut access journalism at its finest. And I I have to salute Rick for that. Uh, Uh, It is
1: transparent in its own way, in his defense. Also, similarly, transparent and very, very poorly strategically transparent, but transparent
0: nonetheless. Yep. Now, uh, I do want to ask you about your job, Pablo. Um, Sure. We were talking about Pat Bev and like how he's going to take your job eventually. But Mm -hmm. in the meantime, you still do have the job that you have. Uh, just this week, JJ Reddick went on first take with Stephen A. And they had an argument, a good first take argument about, hey, who do you want in the clutch to make a shot for you, Steph Curry or Luca? And, and Reddick was like, well, I'll take Luca. And then Stephen A. did just a great Stephen A. And was just like, Steph, Steph, like just incredulous, like doing really maximum Stephen A energy. The GOAT. Yep. And then uh, after that, uh, Reddick went on Twitter. And he said, look, I had to take a side in this argument. Well, he also, it's worth pointing out, replied to a guy with like 200 followers. Yeah, 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 yeah. He was just talking to an egg. But he was like, listen, it was a ridiculous question, but I have to take one side or another. So I wanted to ask you, Pablo, because you're a veteran on ESPN. Have you ever felt like you have had to give a disingenuous answer to something For television's sake, just because you knew it would make good television, but you didn't necessarily feel it in your loins.
1: I am 100% sure that when I was starting out doing Around the Horn and someone else had anything close to the take that I was going to give and I felt like I was going to give a redundant take if I said what I was going to say, I definitely would have pivoted to the opposite. (laughs)
0: Undoubtedly. You know what, now
1: that you mention it, I've never seen it on first take to be like, I actually agree with, with what Woody Page said. Like, no,
0: you're, I mean, you're, you're told not to do that. <laughs> yeah, I can. mean, but here's the thing, here's
1: the thing, here's the thing, here's the thing. It's not that you're told not to do it. It's just that your insecurities as a human being take over and you're like, oh, no. Like, uh, what do I really care about here? Do I care about my internal logical consistency or do I care about being a participant on this show that they want to have back? And they're not telling you, change your take or we'll never have you back. But that is sort of what you hear in the back of your head. And so my point here is that I have not done that. Like, I would say that that ended as I got more comfortable doing TV. And I think, look, I mean, this is not. I, I, I appreciate that I have this opportunity to zag where all of first take has zigged. Like, honesty, right. that is my brand as a journalist. Yeah. Um, no, it's simply that, you know, I'd rather divulge what I don't know than sort of pretend that I know more than I do. And so if I agree, I'll say it and I'll sort of own how it's redundant and I'll get to that before you do. In so far as you are a person, hypothetical you, that gives a
0: shit about tracking takes on a sports television show, yeah. Is it hard to make that uh, as entertaining than if you did vehemently disagree?
1: You know, I, 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 I got to say, like, the shows that I do, Around the Horn, like, the way I am the person on Around the Horn that, like, revels in having minus 300 points sometimes. Yeah. Like, I feel like that's the lane. Like, I, there are people who take this all very seriously to the point where they want to win. They want to win the argument. They want to win the show. They want to win the sort of popularity contest that is any given segment, any given exchange. And i sort of realized, maybe because of my own limitations, that I am never going to win everything. And I'm just like, I'd rather just sort of be somewhat self-aware of what's really happening here. And I'm more that guy, honestly, on all the shows I do. And and I appreciate the ability to confess that to you. Right, because um,
0: it's around the horn. It ain't CompuBox stats that you're getting. It's yeah. it's, it's Tony Reale gifting you 10 points or whatever. For, yes. For yes. T- I did. I did want, I want to go back. And I want to say that I totally see, if I were on TV and I had a take, I was all ready to cook up, and someone else spewed it before me, I would be so pissed. I would be like, you fucking copycat. I'll fucking yeah. cut you. <laughs>
1: it's infuriating. <laughs> so, it is infuriating if you, if, you, if you really like got this one ready, <clears throat> locked in the chamber, and you're like, all right, here we go. And then, yeah, Woody Page comes out, and you're just like, oh, God. Oh, no. <laughs> yeah. I'm following Look, this act. This is not good Have you ever,
0: like, during the commercial break, have you ever said to Woody, like, Woody, you've got something on the side of your mouth here, you just wipe it off or Oh, just like, not know. It's like mind games.
1: Oh oh actually giving him advice?
0: Actually yeah, no, telling I, him Woody your no, your gene your gene button
1: down is not really the look today. <laughs> it's no like, I, Joe, it's like Jay Leno Let me, let me tell Woody you something about Woody Page. You, <laughs> let me tell you, like, okay. Woody
0: Page to me is is pay too literally froth at the mouth. And sometimes you see that froth in a in good it's You're, very good dad froth. I, and I respect it. I, I will tell you this about Woody
1: Page. Because I am somebody who grew up watching him. I am somebody who has laughed at him. I am somebody who has made fun of him on television. And then I realize, in the end, and this is, uh, you know, again, this is the world we live in. And I respect it. There is no one more popular on that show than him. Doesn't matter. Mina, nope. Me, nope. Name anybody. Woody Page is the people the kids want to see. And
0: I just want to salute at that altar, man. I know the business I'm in. Well, until he breaks off... Uh, for a Saudi-funded take show on a different network, <laughs> yes. then, then I'm I'm ready to believe you. But when that happens, then I'm going to disown Woody Page entirely. <laughs> hey, let's remember a guy, Pablo Torre. Every week we remember a guy. Would you like to remember a guy with us? I feel like I've remembered so many guys that people yeah, did not say, want we, to remember. We have, but let's we're not try going it. back to talk more about
1: Rashawn. We're going to say is <laughs> a different guy. Is it is, gonna, is, gonna, is, re- is it is it is it is it is it Jeremy Grant?
0: It is Go not quick, It is in in honor of <laughs> oh, Joe you, a, I should probably say A that Harvard <laughs> graduate, Pablo Torre. It is a fellow Harvard graduate, Matt Burke. Do you remember Matt Burke, Pablo oh, Torre? Oh, of
1: course. Former center for the Minnesota Vikings, Matt yes, Burke. Yes, I,
0: I. There is a Homer aspect to that, but I, I don't really like Matt Burke anymore because he got red pilled in this a complete fucking nut job. There
1: there was so. a milkshake ducking that became
0: uh, unfortunate in that you, way. You can you now you now instead when when you get milkshake ducked now instead of being shamed. It's like, oh, I could run for lieutenant governor. Yeah, that's, like, that's what happened. Yeah, it's like, oh, this is my career now. I'm I'm a professional duck. It's yep. So one thing right.
1: you can't do is grow from it in any way. No! Or experience remorse. If you do that, you're cucked. Yeah, but you're yeah, If people are like, if they find your old tweets and suddenly you're like, I actually invented my own type of pillow. <laughs> that's different than other pillows. You only get it online. Uh, and
0: yeah, then you're good. Uh, we have a fun bad question from John John asks Pablo how far are we how far off are we from seeing Jake from State Farm star in a movie are you ready for a Jake from State Farm movie Pablo and I I was not paid by State Farm for that question I am surprised it hasn't happened yet
1: yeah I really am I feel like imagine (laughs) how mean Patrick Beverly would be to that movie. (laughs) 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 Uh, just Patrick Beverly um, on like letterbox leaving a very scathing review like yeah you think that you can get away with breaking the 180 degree rule? No. <laughs> not in this locker room. No, you can't. Um, yeah, they, oh <laughs> well, God. Jake from State Farm is not the most compelling of those characters, but I do feel like we're not, like, we actually did get the fucking Geico cavemen got, like, three episodes of a sitcom. Yeah.
0: With, like, yeah we got an Cole Uncle fucking it. Drew movie, man.
1: Yeah, like, that's right. It happens. If, uh, Brian
0: if, writes in, yeah. oh, sorry, go ahead. Not pop, to say, what?
1: if you have intellectual property, it does not matter what kind of property it is.
0: No, there's a no. fucking Barbie movie coming. There was a battleship. The movie. Barbie movie's like got blue chip talent attached. Dude. It has like, Margot always... Robbie. I'm, as I'm fucking.
1: I'm waiting for the gritty Barbie reboot myself. Yeah, yeah. the that's Barbie, Barbie. <laughs> the Barbie,
0: entirely dark. <laughs> yeah, this one's brunette. Whoa, holy the shit. Barbie. <laughs> Brian writes in: When will my twelve-year-old stop making twenty these de- 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 nuts jokes a day? I wanna die. Pablo, do you have kids and do they make these de- nuts jokes in front of you? Yes,
1: I have a two-year-old daughter. Um, I will be teaching her how to do that. Yes, um, probably unintentionally because I am still very much that child that your uh, yeah listener wrote in to inveigh against. Unfortunately,
0: yeah, my Oops. my kids make that make those jokes, but like they're kids, and so. They make them sort of clumsily, almost as like they're not like they're not they're not there aren't a lot of well-timed bofa jokes in this house. So it's just like, uh, dinner for dessert is deez nuts. So it's like it's almost like it's been translated through a tabula website. And so like <laughs> I, I have to teach them how to deez nuts properly. But That's coming right. from your old man, your old man's a lame ass piece of shit. Nobody's gonna just, listen to what just your old man
1: is. Giannis in the paint with the bofa jokes. Yep. <laughs> I, I did teach myself It's not a time for finesse. No. <laughs> I
0: did teach the tea I did teach the twit the ten year old uh, what tea bag meant, like in the slang term, because I I made a tea bag joke and it went over his head what? and it went to his wind, I whispered into his ear and I was like, sometimes tea bag son, they're talking about your balls and he's like, oh, and a big fucking smile comes across his face and that was a real moment that he and I. <laughs> had. It's like like when you teach a kid to ride a bike,
1: like you just you got your hand on the seat for a second, and then you just let him go and watch him. In, Watch him soar. In You're my like, defense. Go, go ahead and make a balls joke to your friends at school.
0: <laughs> in my defense, I didn't teach him about tea bagging. I just taught him oh, okay. what the tea bag was. I, I, I wasn't saying, like, listen. Go your nuts in you're, your mother's coffee. You're going to you're gonna need to conjugate
1: that verb on your own, son. That's yeah, right. right. Uh, <laughs> like, I'm just giving you the tools. Like I'm going to let you go ahead and build whatever type of gag or lifestyle out of this you want.
0: Kay writes in, Pablo, so I was at my local hockey arena recently, and it seems they no longer served any fountain drinks in the entire building. Everywhere I went, all they had were freaking plastic bottles. Every attendant I asked said they don't know where to get a fountain drink, and I refused to buy anything. And I was seething with rage. Is this a normal thing? This is a travesty, right? No fountain coke with ice at a sporting event in America? That's like not selling hot dogs. Can we have the House Committee on Un-American un- Activities investigate this? Pablo, have you ever gone to a sporting event that did not sell fountain drinks? And do you have any adverse reaction to that? You know what's more offensive to me than that
1: trend, which I have recognized as well? Not to, I don't want to gaslight your listener. I, I get it. I get it. The thing that's most offensive to me, though, is when they give you like a twist-off bottle, but they take the cap. Yeah. And they're like you can't be trusted with this. That because like, they don't do you want you to I'm chuck it, to, do, right? Yeah. They you think, think you're This gonna... is the more problematic aspect of this object, the cap?
0: Yeah. Well, cuz I think you're going to you're going to put the cap on, you'll have a full bottle of beer, and then you're going to throw it at James Harden. That's what they think you're going to do. That's why they take the cap but off. I feel like the cap is like it's not the most important
1: part of that. You're still being handed a heavy metal <laughs> thing with liquid in it. Like the idea of I guess really the calculation there is they're like This asshole seems like he likes beer. Like, there's (laughs) no way he throws it before he finishes it. And at that point, he can't hurt anybody. This asshole seems like one of those guys on TikTok who can fling, like, bottle caps with, like, surgical precision to, like, cut cards and stuff. Like, maybe it's a compliment. Maybe we're being profiled. I don't know yeah, if everybody else is having this experience, but I'm definitely consistently profiled as a guy who would turn a cap into a deadly <laughs> weapon. I think you're probably wrong because I've been similarly profiled and if there's two people on this <laughs> podcast that are likely to be like identified as Jason Bourne style like <laughs> improvising assassins, probably
0: not you, probably not me. Unfortunately, I- I uh, I just assumed from Kay's question that it was a COVID thing somehow, like when our own Kelsey McKinney oh, went to Nats Park yeah. last year and they didn't have ketchup out. She had to ask for fucking ketchup packets instead of the pump. Like the pump, you need the pump, right? So yeah. I assumed that they were like, oh, fountain drinks that will have COVID on it more than a a bottle. You know, like standard like hygiene theater shit that like has like gone on a bit too long. Like I feel like that it might. We're like stopping not. the That's spread, a- Drew. We're stopping the spread. <laughs> yeah, I, I think it's it's not as fun as just saying that they did it out of spite to be fuckers. <laughs> yeah, the worst.
1: I'd say the worst product I've ever purchased at a sporting event when I was a kid when you got soda at Shea Stadium when like when the guys would walk around selling it it was fountain soda that they had pre poured and then put a little plastic cap on. Mm. It would always be. It was perfectly flat it would be whatever the temperature of the air was was also the temperature of the soda. And it was, like, the dumbest way that you could spend $7. Like, if there's going to be a need for soda in a plastic bottle, it should be, that's, like, what you sell when the guy is walking around. Like, the idea of just pre-pouring 300 cups of it and, like, slapping some cellophane over it. What you don't understand, David Roth, is that the bubbles are dangerous. (laughs) Right? Those can be used to harm deadly weapons <laughs> firing them at Joe Orsillac
0: from the upper deck of Shea Stadium. <laughs> I do have to say that uh like Fountain drinks a uh a stadium beer like it's probably because it costs like 11 bucks, but it that first sip is really fucking good. Like it yeah. like it 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 beats a bar beer. And I I don't know whether it's because of the environment or anything like that, but have you found i have either you found that a stadium beer actually kind of tastes better. That it hits different? <laughs> it hit, that's right. That's right. It hit, that it hits different.
1: How has that now been like monetized in some sort of uh, in-stadium beer sales ad I, campaign? I am like sure, there's yeah. am a hit sure. by, I don't know, Jose Conforto, and guess what, guys? That hit hit different. I, I, yeah, I'm, I'm sure
0: that a team Twitter account has humped that into oblivion somewhere, and many team accounts have done that because they're all Wendy's now.
1: To Drew's point, uh, yes, the first beer I had at a baseball game this year was fucking incredible. The satisfying <laughs> beer I've had in a really, really long time. It's and nice. I don't know, again, though, it is like, to your other point, which is implied in that, like, also, like, I'm a hog. Like, if I'd had a second one, I would have been like, oh, this is even better. Like, I don't, <laughs> like, I'm not, like, a sophisticated uh, being in that way. I, oh, yeah. I, but yes. I also should apologize. I said, I think I said Jose Conforto, Michael Conforto. I'm remembering some yeah. guys so poorly today. Apologies. Right. Yeah.
0: You got the Jose and the con, and so, you know, like, you're, you're going to the Seiko part mm-hmm. in your brain. Mm-hmm. Jose Marmalejos, you could yeah. have said him, too, if Ooh. you
1: want to. Yeah, I uh, like saying it in that accent. There's one a, more, Brian, a Brian writes
0: in, uh, with the Kentucky Derby just passed, I began to think about the annual events that annoy the shit out of me. The Kentucky Derby's up there, <laughs> and with the last right. few canceled due to COVID, I had also forgotten about my hatred toward Coachella with even more pretentious assholes dressing edgy and trendy or whatever lame-ass buzzword you want to use, pretending that any of their 430 social media followers actually give a shit about them dancing in the desert while fucked up on God knows what. Pablo, are there any annual events... That annoy the shit out of you, even though they're relatively anodyne to everyone else.
1: Oh, uh, I like how all of your listeners are Andy Rooney, by the way. Yeah, <laughs> this is. Yeah, you I've you heard the. Listen, I've it's heard so the loud, loud. and you're in the desert. There's no bathrooms. Oh, yeah, oh old
0: man, yells a cloud. I've heard it all yeah. before.
1: No, no, I mean, I, I, the answer that comes to mind, I think, is hopefully changing in terms of its perception to the point where everyone agrees. And I think it's actually a cliche of me to complain about it, but SantaCon is the thing that comes to mind, that I'm like, you know, okay. But I I feel like the world has come around to realizing why this is actually just everyone's nightmare as opposed to just some people's nightmare. I wonder if Santa SantaCon is the one thing that won't eventually get that reappraisal because I remember people used to stun on Guy Fieri like this, and at this point he's like everybody agrees that Guy Fieri is like the most important American. Mm-hmm. That <laughs> yeah. right. Like that if he ran for president as on either party with any platform, he would certainly win sixty percent of the vote. Yes, like and not just because of like John Fetterman winning that primary. That I now think rings guys are the next <laughs> disruption. Like guys, but the. Yes, like, SantaCon is probably irredeemable, and yet at the same time, like, that's, it's a very, very good answer. To me, it is Burning Man, and it is, again, something I haven't been to, and I can say this, I have friends that have had, like, legitimately profound life experiences yep, at Burning yep, Man, same. Ooh, which is fine, I mean, I've never know, been, like, but I have friends who have, yeah, to be clear. I have yeah, no friends who have been to Burning Man. And I don't begrudge them that, I mean, like, I, like, you want to take that type of drug in the desert, like, a cool thing will happen to your brain if you do it, I get it the challenge for me is just watching it in the same way that like south by southwest has sort of become this where it's like like Burning Man is mostly a place where like uh the worst richest people that have like completely wrecked san francisco can go and kind of like congratulate each other and do things that i don't need to know about yes. uh sexually and that's like it, it, i don't it, care for that it's like luxury it's like luxury steampunk cosplay yeah, also but is- i think the thing that i dislike the most about it is that i feel like they're probably is or at the very least was something cool that that has consumed like south by southwest i'm old and this is gonna like date me but like my friends that like worked in the music business when i was in my 20s which was like a few of them that was like the best time of their lives they would just they would go to austin like their work which otherwise paid for nothing in their life like paid for like a small portion of their rent would put them up for a week. They wouldn't have to pay for a beer. They just listened to bands in Austin and like have fun. And now that is all like, will I am on the Doritos innovation stage, Yeah, blows. like giving a speech about like <laughs> fucking NFTs. <laughs> and like, it's, it's grim. Like there was a cool thing in there and it just got eaten. Yeah. It was, show,
0: it was show, it was show us, but shitty now. Like it's yes, not, it, it's not cool. I, I have to tell you, uh, before we go, uh, when I was living in New York, I definitely had SantaCon FOMO cuz like I was a bro and I liked drinking and people were wearing Santa hats and I love Christmas so I was like that sounds awesome and you I was really in
1: Christmas colors right now for the podcast I am. audience. Yeah. I am you are, I, it's like ready true. to go to SantaCon. You put on a red like
0: hoodie. I'm going to New York. To yep. party with Roth. So, like, yep. today is SantaCon. He's going to put on, a like, a fake beard, the last step before beginning
1: any road trip, and then he's going to come up here. Yep.
0: I can't. I can't wait. It's going to be great. And so did be- you ever do it, Drew? Did you
1: ever do SantaCon?
0: No, that's why I said I had FOMO. Okay. I never I never did. I did, like, I did one, like, St. Paddy's Day bar crawl. But if you've ever done a bar crawl, you know, like, particularly if you were me, You really only make it to like the second bar before you start throwing up. You're like literally falling. Yeah. Like entirely too early. Yeah. Like you're not, you're like, oh, we're going to go to eight bars. And like by the second one, you're like, I don't want to fucking walk anymore. Like my tummy feels like it has like a truck operating in it. And that's terrible, and I don't like it. So that was my... When that, your tum-tum sends you a message, you got to listen. That was my That was my drinking life in a nutshell. It was very fun. <laughs> <That's> Brandon <what, laughs> Nix and Chantel Holder are our producers. Nora Richie is our executive producer. Our theme song is by Kirk Hamilton. You can listen to ad-free episodes of The Distraction only on Stitcher Premium, thanks to Roth, me, Pablo. You can get free month of Stitcher Premium right now. Just go to stitcherpremium.com use the promo code distract and don't forget to rate review and subscribe wherever it is that you listen and subscribe to defector.com too while you're at and go watch pablo torre on all the espn properties because he's always on it all yeah. the time gushing out takes that he believes in damn it pablo torre It was great having you on. Will you come on again sometime?
1: Yes, please. Also, ESPN Daily. Listen to that podcast. It's cool. It's good. I do it every day, and I promise that I only say the name Robert Covington at least once a week.
0: Wow. (laughs) Wow. People are going to be dialing in for the McConnell content. With a promise like that, how can you not tune in? Have a great week, everybody. Goodbye. Bye.